few weeks with a little bit of confusion regarding a new international helium talk podcast as you may remember i had some guest management issues lately but they're all sorted out now and i'm very happy to be able to say hello and welcome to a new english edition of my podcast helium talk das kunstgespräch my name is jörg heikos and my guest on this episode is tina siegler tina is the director of the monica art fair a very special one amongst the numerous fairs that are happening all around the world today. Monica has been founded 10 years ago in London and in 2018 opened up in New York as well, where it will pop up again for the second time in May this year. Monica is special because it has its roots deep in the graffiti and street art culture and is less fair and more festival, celebrating the youngest and fastest growing movement in contemporary art. Tina has developed her deep passion for urban art when she was a teenager in California, which is not too long ago for her, but the amount of art-related work she has pulled off in her career since is impressive. Insane, actually, when you look at all the gallery shows, curation and education projects she has been involved with or launched herself. Crazy. She also founded the Art Conference, which combines keynote speakers from the worlds of technology and culture with contemporary exhibitions, discussing what's going on in the art market, so she's definitely not just looking at the colorful side of the business, but also on the business itself. We had a great talk, over the internet so to say. She was in London and I as usual in my studio in Hamburg. Please write to me at hello at heliumtalk.com, subscribe to this channel on your preferred podcast app, connect at the website heliumtalk.com, follow me on Instagram or Facebook, doesn't matter which profile really, the official Helium Talk, the one for Helium Cowboy or my artist profile Alex Diamond, which is probably the most colorful one of the three. I'm posting the hell out of this podcast on all these channels so you won't miss out on any new episodes. Oh, and of course, if you like this one, I'd be very happy if you leave a comment or rating on iTunes. It is a great way to get the word out for Helium Talk. Helium Talk. New contemporary or urban contemporary? <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry about this. This is, a, I just, <laughs> this is a funny one. Um, I, yeah, I, I would say for moniker, I like yeah. to say urban contemporary, yeah. but... You know, it's, it's, a, it's, I think that's a, it's debatable on what, yeah. what it is, but even like on, we're just redoing the moniker website and I'm saying new contemporary and urban art fair. Yeah. So I'm separating it, but yeah, it's hard. It's hard where the, where the lines are drawn between those two definitions. I think, well, I think it's, it's important that, you know, sort of the, 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 the people that, you address or that we target understand what we're talking about um, yeah and um i think there's of course a little bit of confusion but is uh it's it's hard to take this uh, super serious and i think uh because i think both uh terminologies are kind of invented to yeah to give uh yeah to give a name to to something that uh that has been developing for so many years now and still is a little bit undefined at the edges Absolutely. It's really hard to define it still. And I, yeah. I mean, when you're in it, working in it, yeah. the definition yeah. is kind of irrelevant, but you're right. Yeah, it never comes up. Yeah. yeah. But when you're, you know, trying to explain it to, I always have this problem when I'm trying to explain it to journalists, they're mm -hmm. like, Oh, it's graffiti. I'm like, well, it's not actually, <laughs> Oh, it's street art. Well, no, no, it's not that either. <laughs> well, if then it's just normal contemporary art. I'm like, well, maybe that's, maybe it is, you know, maybe that's just, But then I'm like, but the influences are different. And 
the medium is different and the the crowd is different and you know it's it's hard it's like our own little subculture where the we've never really been able to define it because it's moving so rapidly you know yeah yeah so. uh, talking about rapidly i mean monica is now monica artfair is now 10 years old this year right that- yeah this is our 10th year of doing fairs so it was so. yeah started in 2010 and that was our first year so mm-hmm. yeah 2019 in london will be the 10th fair in london um yeah it's been it's been a steady steady growth yeah a lot. you have now the second year coming up in brooklyn yeah in just yeah. four and a half weeks we open up our fair and <laughs> and actually it's not in brooklyn i've moved it to manhattan oh, okay so uh we are now in noho okay uh, is that is that uh is that important in in new york to to be uh, manhattan is probably easier accessible for it's pretty important um yeah, a lot of what I found last year. I mean, Brooklyn, I. Oh, that's not good if my computer keeps sending me emails. Um, <laughs> Brooklyn was great. It was really, it was really a great place to go to for for what we were doing. You know, the yeah. the launch of the fair. We wanted. I wanted to really go back to those roots in in New York and that kind of subculture feel. And it, so I, I felt really comfortable taking the fair first to. To Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. Um, I just found that the fair was really quite spectacular in New York. You know, it was really, the artists did a really great job. The galleries really did a great job. And I felt we were just a little bit too uh, off the beaten track. Mm-hmm. And I kind of have been thinking a lot about that, like keeping urban contemporary in the shadows and how we kind of continue to surround ourselves in like the Brooklynites or the East London or the, you know, the really crazy art districts. Like we never kind of position ourselves alongside the major players of the art world. And, um, I've kind of just wanted to combat that a little bit by taking the fair to a completely different location, which is like Broadway is high street. Um, you know, the fair is located between McDonald's and a footlocker. (laughs) <laughs> and it's in an old disused retail space. So it really looks at like how commercial, you know, the commercial kind of retail sector is failing. People are shopping differently. The art world has changed so much as well. We've changed so much. And I just wanted to bring us into a location that people wouldn't really expect mm-hmm. from an urban contemporary art fair. I wanted to position us in you know, a place where every type of person can walk by and stumble upon it and go, what is this? Like, I've never seen this before. Um, and I, yeah, I think the element of surprise is really important, especially for Monica to keep us kind of transient, to keep it, you know, the unknown. So people yeah. don't just think of us as just another art fair. It's a, it's challenging, but it's, um, definitely keeps it exciting. But you're also not take you're not doing this while all the other art fairs are on, or I think they're all on March, right? Well, in New York, um, you have two times um, where there's major art fairs. You have Armory Armory Week, mm-hmm. which is in March, which just mm-hmm. happened, um, and then you that week you obviously have Armory, which is the big show. You'll have Scope. You'll have a, you know a lot of different contemporary art fairs going on, modern art fairs. Um, so we always coincide with Freeze. 
So Freeze Week is the first week of May in New York. It's also the first week of October in London. So we've always coincided and lined up with with Freeze. Um, That's just kind of keeping to the tradition of of how Moniker started. And a lot of our collectors and press know that Moniker is kind of a satellite fair to that Freeze Week. Um, So yeah, we, we, we coincide with another big art week, but... In New York, it's on Randall's Island, which is literally on an island, hard to get to. Um, and we, yeah, we'll, we'll be in the city, but it, it's a lot easier to get to, to the fairs if you're in Manhattan rather than being on the outskirts in Brooklyn. Okay, I think I did my last fair with, uh, with a helium cowboy in New York uh, in 2010. So I think Freeze was not no. in New York then. No, not yet. Yeah, I think it's their seventh year now. Yeah. Yeah. Damn, it's so long ago. <laughs> anyway, let's not let's not talk about that. <laughs> um, so you just said, you know, something interesting. You said that you know how to differentiate from from other art fairs. Um, so how do you differentiate from other art fairs? How do you manage to uh, to keep the edge? It's hard. It's really yeah. hard, actually, um, especially with so many other art fairs popping up and so many art fairs that are entering this space. You know. 10 years ago, Moniker was pretty much standalone when it came to that alternative art fair. Um, you know, the real kind of the, the one that was spotlighting the urban art movement at that time and really championing the street art movement and the artists that were not accepted into the traditional art fair 10 years ago, we were really one of the only ones doing that. And now, you know, the landscape of art fairs has changed so drastically. There are art fairs everywhere, you know, hundreds of them a year, um, I think moniker has always been different, mainly for our commitment to curation and installations and working directly with the artists to offer them the space to challenge their practices. So, you know, traditional art fairs or the art fair model is, of course, they'll have installations done by artists or they'll, you know, do something a little bit more immersive, but they fundamentally depend on the gallerist to present those concepts. So they reach out to the galleries and offer up, you know, you know, essentially it's just a retail business where you're selling, selling real estate. Moniker does that to some degree. We obviously sell real estate to exhibitors, but on the other side, we invest a lot into the artists themselves and we commission installation. So, you know, Moniker has kind of been known for, Every year, you never know what you're going to get when you walk through those doors. So we all, I always try to keep that element of surprise and really focus on spotlighting those artists that are doing something a little bit different or have been doing something consistently for X amount of years and just challenging them and saying, you know, what do you want to do if you didn't have to worry about sales? Could you do something that was really, you know, where do you want to take your art next? And I think that's important for Moniker to always be that kind of platform that continuously pushes those artists and the movement forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it's basically, I mean, the, that's that's your basis of artists that are used to work that way, right? And um, I think it's probably it's probably easier to for the, for the understanding or from the understanding of the, of these artists and also the galleries that you're working with. Um, what what I mean, you just mentioned there's a hundred art fairs and um and i mentioned earlier that i'm I haven't been doing 
that many art fairs in a while now. It's it's mainly because the the market has changed changed a lot. But has it has it changed to, towards the art that Monica represents more? Um, I mean, is is there? I mean, when you say ten years, I mean basically ten years ago, the markets fell apart. Yeah. <laughs> You know, for many, and that's when 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 Monica started, and you're and and I'm always like seeing the development of certain things, and I think Monica is one of the first where I think, okay, it kind of makes sense that it moved on into this direction, and they're they're also moving to America now, but it's um, it's kind of a little bit contra to 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 market developments. Uh, so so is Monica in a in a special place? Um. I mean, just from a market perspective, from a market because perspective. you have different artists and maybe different clients. Too. Yeah. I mean, we've always kind of been stable with our growth. Um, it's, it's, I've always feel like moniker is definitely a different project in itself rather than just how a traditional art fair runs. You know, it's, it's, we, we have a very strong following, a loyal following. Mm -hmm. We have collectors that travel in to see what we're going to do. I think the public are really engaged with what we do as well because of that installation and immersive focus. It's not just coming to buy art. You know, we have such a vast program that we offer to anybody that you can come and experience the art world or from a very different perspective of just kind of going to collect art. You know, so there's always like talks, film screenings, you know, in our London fair, more than 50% of the fair is dedicated to immersive installations where nothing is for sale. So there's, it's, there's almost this kind of festival vibe to moniker that has been, you know, fundamentally what has made us just stand out from the crowd a little bit. Um, I, I, I personally have never really fit into the traditional art market. So I come from very similar backgrounds to a lot of the artists I represent and we've always kind of been the outsiders and I've, I've, I've kind of stayed true to that with moniker and, and continuing to just kind of do what I feel we should be doing to represent this subculture rather than trying to conform to the traditional art market standards. And I think that's what keeps us different. It's definitely a lot harder. I mean, if we just wanted to just be another art fair, we probably would save ridiculous amount of money in production. But it's just the quality to me is so important because I think when how you present art to the public is so important. Um, I went to a, a fair in London last weekend. I won't say the name, but I was horrified by the production. You know, the lighting was horrible. It felt like walking into a supermarket. It was... It was really, you know, I, I left and I, my soul was a little bit broken. And yeah, no, those fairs. I, and I, <laughs> I know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, and it just makes me, it, it reinforces how different moniker is. It's hard to explain unless you've been to the event, you know. Mm -hmm. and, and it's every detail. I mean, the amount of attention I spend on just how the walls are produced. It's just, I think moniker sits in its own little place. I don't know what that looks like when you think about the future of the fair or where we're going to go or the future of the market. But I think people appreciate that. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's also a lot of the things that we do differently compared to other fairs. So collectors are aware of it. Um, you know, no two galleries can show the same artist for one. No two galleries can show artwork that has been shown previously. So majority, mm -hmm. like, you know, 95% of the artwork at the fair is new direct from the artist. It's only primary market work. There's no secondary market. Um, 
So this kind of real focus on every show is every gallery, every artist is presenting something the public hasn't seen before. And I think that's important. Um, because, you know, I go to so many art fairs every year and I'll see the same work in Miami that I see in Paris. So I'll see the same work I see in New York, you know, so, cause of course exhibitors want to rotate their inventory. Um, but with Monica, we have, we have quite a number of rules and we also don't ever have more than like 40 exhibitors. So it's, it's, yeah, I think the whole approach is different. Um, it just makes, I think yeah. For, yeah, I think 40 is a good number. I think that's one of the, one of the issues with many fairs is too, that they've grown so big that you, that there's actually no real experience anymore for people coming through. Um, I, I like the aspect of, you know, sort of, of the, of a set of rules, um, that you've just described, but also understand, of course, the gallery perspective that if they, you know, sort of take a lot of money in, into their hands and, and, uh, and travel long distance and ship artwork that sometimes they, they, they want to double up. I, I totally agree on the point, of course, um, that the same artist shouldn't be at at, you know, sort of two booths. Um, but then, then I guess that the, the, the galleries that you're working with are not necessarily from a, from a, from a, from a different generation. There's also, I think a couple of galleries that you're working with who are, um, I don't know, 15 to 20 years old. Um, but I think the majority will be younger and will probably have all their own roster of art, roster of artists, right? Yeah. I mean, there's some exhibitors that will share the same artists, but I think the more established uh, galleries that participate also know that they do better when they present a solo show at Moniker. They do better when they present just an installation. You know, a lot of our booths are solo shows, actually, because um, mm -hmm. the clientele that we attract is looking for that. I think it's, mm -hmm. you know, it's different because um, we also do have to compete with the other fairs that are showing the same artists now. You know, the urban contemporary art movement has grown so rapidly, which is yeah. brilliant. Um But, you know, you can go to Scope and you can see Scope is a major art fair in Miami every December. And it's amazing to see these artists that, you know, even six, seven years ago, we were fighting to get on these walls. And now they're selling in, you know, double figures of, of 30, 40,000 for a painting now. And it's just, it's really incredible to see that kind of rapid growth in this movement specifically. Um, so there's... You know, with that said, there's a lot of competition mm -hmm. in the market. Um, but that that but seeing the growth of the movement and seeing the growth of the art fair, I think for my objective with Moniker has become even more focused and it's become stronger to say that we're going to set more rules. And if you want to participate at Moniker, you have to kind of be okay with these rules. And I think some galleries in the beginning, if they haven't been to the fair, they're a little bit hesitant. You know, I kind of have to get a bit of pushback. But once they come to Moniker and they see how much we invest in the installations, in the programming, in the experience, in the production of their booths, and I think they go, oh, okay, I see what you're trying to do. They appreciate it in the end, you know. So, yeah, I mean... I. It's it's always a challenge. <laughs> yeah, of course, the challenge. I think one of the biggest challenges of these days is the. I mean, and, and it's of course, big questions how you um, 
how you how a market can actually cope with that and galleries can cope with that is is you just said this 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 uh, this movement has grown um and it has become much more visible than it was but i also see a little bit the danger and the uh, oversaturation of of the whole market and there are artists new artists uh, uh popping up all the time and uh, yeah and some of them get successful and and my, the only fear that I have is that a lot of the people are starting to forget the ones, the artists that they appreciated two years, 10 years, 15 years ago. I think that is something that, that I personally have the feeling that you see more and more these days. So there's no real consistency except of course, for a few names that you can agree upon. Um, how do you, how do you see, or do you, do you see this, this, this as a problem as well? Or I mean, Absolutely. I think there's an oversaturation right now of everything, of all, yeah. you know, the way that we take in visuals on a daily basis is, you know, phenomenal. It's really, how do you, how do you choose? How do you remember anything anymore? And I, I think that, especially with urban art has spread so much basically because of Instagram. So people have become famous overnight for, for murals that they're doing where, you know, If you look at the detail in their painting work, you 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 would see that they're they're not at the level yet, but they're getting so much recognition just because of how Instagrammable it is, you know. Um, and then and then collectors are judging off the popularity or or their confidence in an artist based off followers. And I'm just I think that has empowered me to to reinforce the education behind the movement mm -hmm. and the artist. So. With New York's fair, I've, I've actually increased the days of the fair and started a day specifically on the Wednesday called Collector's Day. And it's not necessarily about demanding people to start collecting art, but the whole program is about education. So it's almost a combination of a conference and an art fair opening. But there's this, like, I'm demanding responsibility from the people attending to commit to coming to the fair opening and be willing to sit through four hours of lectures or a guided tour or a panel discussion. Because before we kick off the launch of the fair, I want everyone, the galleries and the artists included, to have almost like a day where we can discuss what's going on and what is the objective of what we're doing there and why are we there and how can we better serve collectors and how can we educate collectors about how to actually build a collection and buy art and why you should support urban contemporary art and which of the artists you should be looking out for. Um, so we'll see <laughs> how this develops. I've never done this before with the fair. I mean, we've always done talks and panel discussions, but I've never actually had a full day dedicated to purely education. Um, so that's the first day of the fair in New York is, a, is an education day. And I think that's really important for, I mean, I'm holding my hands up as an art fair to say, look, something needs to happen. People are like over, you know, overstimulated. The, the market is fluctuating left and right. The artists are all over the place. They're working with, you know, 10 galleries doing 20 solo shows a year. And it's just too much. I think we need to have a moment just to talk about it. Maybe it's okay and everything's great. Or maybe we need to just challenge the way that we're doing business. And, um, How are we supporting the artists properly? You know, I think I don't have the answers, but I'm just looking for um, people to have the conversation. 
Yeah, well, nobody has the answers right now. That's one of the reasons, for example, why I started this uh, this podcast last year. I have a, I had this TV show in the gallery, like I don't know, three, four times maximum a year with a local TV station, where we started to talk with artists and put that on local TV. And and I saw that there is a big need in you know sort of discussing certain points and bringing the attention to certain topics, um, uh, you know, sort of more out in the open. Um, and, uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm using this platform actually also to find out what's really happening and, and where could we, where could be actually, you know, so what could be a solution for, for, for sustainable, uh, uh, art business, um, for, for the next years, because I, I personally, that's one of the reasons, and I'm very, very open about is one of the reasons why I'm not doing fairs anymore is that it's uh, mostly, uh, you know, sort of a very costly, uh, expensive uh, thing to do. And it's a, it's a waste of money. And I've been doing fairs uh, when I was, um, when, it, when I was also bringing money home, and I think maybe that is one of the aspects of fairs that, or the perception of fairs that that has 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 changed. Um, because I'm I'm pretty sure there are a lot of fairs out there who are just basically just holding up their hands and saying, "Okay, we make the best out of it as long as it goes," because there's a pressure on on people to get the the marketing attention. But I must say that doing a podcast these days brings attention, and doing a, a street art festival brings attention. But I'm not quite sure if my participation in you know sort of uh, f most of the fairs uh would bring new new clients to 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 my artists and uh, and i also think that the the kind of galleries and you know so i'm probably not the best to judge upon that anymore because i um i have a lot of contact with other other galleries and new galleries but there's not that that deep connection that I had with, I don't know, with Jonathan Devine or with uh, Iwa Pop in, in Barcelona when they were still existing. And we we're talking about, I don't know, 2005, 2006, 2007, when we were doing a lot of things jointly. And I think, you know, sort of a new generation of galleries is doing that as well. But, you know, sort of, of course, not um, necessarily with me right now. So that's why I'm saying maybe I'm a little bit, you know, sort of from an outside perspective now. But I think it is, um, it has gotten simply very difficult. And I think we need, we need to talk more about these things. It's one of the reasons why I wanted to talk to you uh, in this podcast because I think Monica um, has not been on, is not probably perceived as a as a classical art fair. I still I still don't see Monica as an art fair, even though you just I probably have to put that behind the name, same as I did at one point, put a gallery behind Helium Cowboys so people knew exactly where to put us. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's funny that you say that because I'm actually considering removing that because yeah. because I've removed it. Yeah. Well, that's the thing I've is I'm actually just considering it, you know yeah. what we're doing is just it's just moniker. We're not like mm -hmm. and and the and the transients. I mean, the I mean you're talking about Iguapop. God, I love that gallery in Barcelona. Those were mm -hmm. the I mean that it's almost interesting because that was such an amazing time when you had mm -hmm. These little gal, there wasn't, the market wasn't saturated, but the people that were doing it were doing it so damn well, you know, and it was, there's this really exciting time happening globally when, with the birth of this kind of massive movement. I think when it started to consolidate and form a, a one movement rather than so many little subcultures. Um, yeah, I just think that now, you know, we, you try to, like we were talking about, how do you describe what, what the movement is? We have to try to put labels to things to make it easier for the masses to understand, you know? So 
moniker can't just sit as moniker because people are like, what is that? I mean, the amount of times I've even had to explain what the name means to people because they don't even know what the term is. Um, so, you know, we have to call it International Art Fair. And the that actually, I think, is has almost done me a negative because people are also now go to like the art fair I described, I went to last weekend in London and they say, oh, this is what an art fair looks like. So then when I say, oh, I run an art fair, they automatically think in their head that they, they know what that is. Mm -hmm. And it's, and I actually have to fight back and be like, no, it's not what you think. It's really different to that. Um, So it's hard, all these names and these terms. And I just wish we could just be an experience and like, and so I'm thinking, you know, that we're now 10 years old. And I think next year, 2020, I'm, I'm, I'll probably be pushing moniker in a very different direction. And I think it's important to, to find out, you know, you got to try all these things out and decide, okay, yes, I like this. I don't like this. Where do I fit in between? And um, I'm, I'm in a lucky position where I can, you know, change my mind a lot and, and decide the new direction of moniker. But it's just it's hard because there's so much noise out there in the art market right now. So much. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think it's, it's there's one aspect of that. Yeah, every, I mean, I think when, when Igor pop and, 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 and helium cowboy, for example, started, I mean, I think we both started around the same time, 2002. Um, we, we needed to get to, to explain people that even loved what we were doing, what an art fair is because they didn't know what an art fair is because I've never been to one. Um, or you know how the art market works. And, um, and we were, I think still at a point where, it, where we're not, thinking you know is it new contemporary or urban contemporary we're thinking is that actually urban art is that a term that we can use so i think you always have these these kind of issues but now you have people you know sort of see a lot of things and then they think they have an understanding oh you know so this work sells for this much i mean the i think the whole banksy stunt for example in london um without judging the stunt itself or the, the this this whole thing itself Everybody talks about it now, you know, and uh, and everybody has a, has an opinion, and everybody has has I don't know learns what the respective magazine or social media bubble you're currently in thinks of the whole thing. And with art fairs, especially, I mean, we have an art fair in Hamburg, and <laughs> for a few years now, and everybody in Hamburg now thinks, oh, that's an art fair. And when they talk to me, and say, yeah, oh, God, it's is that like like it was in Miami. And it's the affordable art fair. And it's, it's, I mean, I like the guy, people who do it here in Hamburg. They're really, you know, sort of really, really doing a great job, but the fair is terrible. Yeah. And if somebody comes up and says, oh, that's an art fair. And it's like, no, it's not really an art fair. It's probably less than a supermarket. Yeah. It's like a one euro grab, yeah. you know, sort of shop or something. Yeah. Uh, sorry, sorry, but you know, so, and that's, and that's, I think, uh, we have to do a lot of explanation now and we have to try to find people uh, to listen. So I really, really like the, the, the idea that you have like a day where you, that you spend on education, but, but is that also a little bit part of what you've been doing, you know, over the past years? Um, I think with, with your project stimulus and, um, the art conference as well. Yeah. Yeah. The art conference. It's always, yeah. I mean, I've always been kind of an advocate for educating people about, the art world and showing them that it's not something that they can't be a part of, you know, really democratizing what we do and making it accessible. I mean, that's always been a really a big personal mission of mine. That's why 
I mean, I, I come from no art training at all. You know, I never studied art or went to school for art. And I, and I've always just been really involved with it because I've been so passionate about it. Um, mm-hmm. But I just think there's still so much intimidation around it. And for the average person, I'm not talking about, you know, the 20% I'm talking about, or the 1%. I'm talking about, you know, the majority of the people that yeah. live in any city, they really don't have a connection with art. And it's a shame. Um, so I think with the art conference, which was started in 2016, you know, the whole thing about that was having honest conversations with artists, curators, gallerists, just really anybody. Um, mm-hmm. And talking about why they do what they do and how hard it is to do what they do and how do they start doing it. It wasn't talking about auction results or art theory or the history of art. It was talking about how these people started their career. Um, And I think that's really important because it shows to a younger generation the opportunity that they have for you know, pursuing their own career path or coming up with their own ideas or challenging the business models or reinventing the wheel a little bit, you know? So I think the education side is really important within the art fair model. um, I think it's just stripping back a little bit, just the, what you expect from an art fair opening, you know, is the, the press and the photographs and the champagne and the big collectors. And I just think, that's important. Obviously, the objective of our art fair is to sell art and make sure that our galleries and our artists can survive. I mean, that's what we're doing. But I think there's a huge other objective, which is to encourage long-term engagement with this movement, to not just come to a three-day event or a one-day event that you found a flyer for and go, oh, that's cool. Let's do this on Saturday. But really just think about wow, there's this massive movement going on of artists and galleries and curators. And how can I get involved if I want to? Maybe I can just go and listen to a talk and ask questions that nobody else is asking. Or I don't know. I just think it's really trying to just strip it back and bring back in that really human element of creating art Um, Mm -hmm. and engaging with all kinds of people, making it very welcoming to anybody that wants to come. And I think it's okay to come and ask us what you might think is a stupid question. I mean, so many people have said, Oh no, I don't look at go to art galleries. I don't know anything about art. And it's so, I don't know when that happened, but when people thought that they had to have some educated opinion to view art, you know, I always tell people, if you like it, that's all you need to know. (laughs) The weird, yeah. The weird thing about that though, is when, when I started the gallery, I basically just converted my studio, my artist studio into this space because, you know, seemed to be a good idea at the time and I you know I was I, I just wanted to get rid of the the this 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 angst this fear from from gallery spaces so that's it was a good time to change things around and there were the artists you could do this with who were not necessarily so I mean you know Germany Germany is very education based you know yes. artists that represent were represented in a gallery that had to come from a certain educational background and and galleries usually coming from a certain financial uh, uh, and educational background as well and collectors were rich and wealthy and uh, and that's like the traditional thing and we changed that around a lot in 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 these past uh, uh, i don't know almost uh, 20 years uh and then then this was one of the arguments then which i said well that's stupid you know you just come to us you have a couple of drinks you know you enjoy your evening and maybe you take a piece of work with you that is not that expensive and affordable and you start to like buying art and i thought we've educated people in that term that they kind of started to 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 lose the the fear of going to these spaces but it's actually um an argument that is coming back 
Yeah. Um, that's how I see it. More and more people say, oh, yeah, I don't go into galleries. There's a, of course, there's a new generation that we have to try to win over um, uh, to to uh, to accept this as it was accepted, uh, I don't know, 2005, 6, 7. I mean, you've, you've been in Barcelona, you know Igual Pop. Um, the, the kind of openings, they were successful in any way, yeah. you know? Yeah, that you could think of, and of course, they did not necessarily make people super rich, but they make a living possible um, with art, and I think that is already the biggest achievement. I mean, you know, sort of if you can get a sustainable income for an artist for a certain amount of time, that they can work on their shows and improve and get better. If that also, you know, enables a gallery to survive more than three years, you know, and start to build up something sustainable, I think then. That's a market model that actually can work. And for that, people should not be afraid to come. But we're getting back to explaining this. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, there's just so many new galleries coming as well. So, yeah. and, you know, you can just sit at home and just explore some of the best artists in the world just from your phone now. So it's just, mm -hmm. there's so much that has happened so quickly. And it's, you know, we're all trying to understand how do we go from, working quite traditionally for so long. And then the internet comes and just <laughs> challenges absolutely <laughs> everything. And, you know, it's just the beginning, really, when you think about how, you know, how far we still have to go. But it's just, it's, we're just at the beginning. And it's, I think the art world is going to see such a massive shift in the next five years, you know, once everyone starts to understand that they can buy anything online, art online, I mean, the art world has always been slow to catch up with the internet, but now you see so many websites popping up that are selling artwork and new apps and tag smart, which is now like, uh, you know, documenting artwork on the blockchain. And it's just, mm -hmm. there's so much technology happening right now that is going to facilitate a completely shit, like new way of working with the art world. And, um, it's exciting, but it's also you know, people are scrambling for it, for this market that's going to open up. And yeah, I still think there's something that has to happen where there's this kind of people need to take a deep breath and think a little bit more about yeah. how we're going to move forward and how are we going to move forward responsibly? Um, so do you, do you also think that like, um, there's, um, you just said there's a lot of galleries, um, coming up many new galleries uh is there do you think there's uh, there's there's a, a, a totally different approach to galleries like it was maybe 10 15 years ago do um i mean i see a lot of galleries opening up for example that have a huge entertainment and event factor included and i think that may might be very important today even though i mean we did you know we had punk bands in the gallery playing and uh, so the event was always there But maybe today it is important to have a great bar and make money through the bar or something. I don't know. Is there are there any different concepts? Also, prints. I think yeah, you know, selling editions, prints, multiples, stuff like that. Is that has that become more important? Um, yeah, I think there's so culture? many new business models, though. You know, before when you thought of a gallery, it was brick and mortar. It was you know artwork on the wall rotating out monthly or. Mm -hmm. Three years of shows, some of them did, and it was, you know, leading leading solo shows or group shows that were really well curated. Like, it was very, um, it was kind of a, a, a industry standard. And now mm -hmm. you literally have every single type of 
art dealer and gallerist you can think of. Some of them are just independent curators that are doing pop-up shows. I mean, one just happened last week in London from a completely new, I met the curator. She's lovely. This, she's actually a lawyer by day and, uh, and, you know, and now started her own um, African art um, gallery. And she just does pop-up shows of emerging African artists and, her first show was super successful and, you know, it's just, and now she's thinking, oh, where else can I take this show or where else can I take this idea? And it's just, she just started this out of her bedroom, you know, and she's just now moving into this whole focus and this concept of representing artists from Africa, which is brilliant. And it's just, there's, but there's so many new ways to do it. You can, you know, set up a print, print website from anywhere in the world now. You don't even have to print it yourself. You can send it off to somebody else that will print it and ship it. And I mean, it's just artists are selling artwork on their Instagram. People are, I mean, I get adverts on my Instagram every day to buy a print or buy artwork and it's, it's everywhere. You can do pretty much anything you want in this market. So, and it, and I think you also have to try a lot of things. I think we're right now in a in a in, a, in an era where we're about in trial and error as well. I have when I have I don't know whether you've been following Helium Talk. I have these. I mean, I think we already had our fourth conversation. Jonathan and I, Jonathan Levine and I, we know each other for for a long time, and we we just you know sort of occasionally we just came together and and did some phone calls via Skype, where we basically just talk from one friend and also but also somebody with the business inside to the other and um and then at one point he said well let's let's include this in my podcast and we're pretty blunt and pl pretty open uh, uh about these uh, about the issues right now in the gallery market as we approach uh, approach it and we always come to the point where what has i think mostly changed is how how artists find their market and their reputation now you know artists needed galleries to have a market and to get a reputation and to get exhibitions and now not everybody needs it and and i still have i still have big you know so it's not a problem but i still i'm still undecided uh how i should weigh this you know is because some things are we, we're still in a, in a in a or we're currently in a phase where we have to try all these things out and give artists also the opportunity to try things out, you know? So, um, like selling over Instagram, I think only a tiny percentage of artists actually sells over or through Instagram, maybe tiny things, you know, smaller things, prints and multiples or little drawings. But I think that the, the 10, 15, 20,000 euro artworks, or even the 3000 euro artworks are still not being sold through Instagram by artists themselves. Yeah. But we have to try it out to figure out how, where this goes. And I think then, then all this will at some point consolidate again and, and come to a form where we see that, you know, sort of the ideas that we had with galleries now are good or bad or, you know, I don't know. I think the gallery, yeah, no, absolutely. I think it's going to go full circle though. Like you've just kind of identified, yeah. we, we saw some, so many people saw so many different avenues to the market and to exposure and everything. And then, but I see the, you know, the really established artists or the artists that I have a lot of respect for, they have always kind of understood the importance of a, of a good gallerist, you know, and collectors also, I think, understand the importance of a good gallerist or a good fair, you know, or a good curator, because it's a, it's an, it's that art critic. It's that person that has looked, it's a professional, you're getting professional advice and management, you know, and there is, it doesn't take long for artists to try to produce their own shows to come back and go, oh, wow, it's actually really hard. 
and you say, yeah, it is very hard. And it costs money. And it costs a lot of money, and it's very hard to manage collectors and make sure that yeah. you sell properly and you know where your art's yeah. going and to ship your art professionally. I mean, this it, that is why we have galleries, you know. Mm-hmm. And I, I am, I'm, you know, I think it's very important to keep the galleries strong and the good galleries supported because they help the growth of artists' careers and they manage them properly. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, of course, there's a lot of bad galleries out there, but there's a lot of good galleries, too. And I think it's yeah. I think that is important. I think a lot of, the, you know, I speak to a lot of artists that I would consider uh, very globally respected and they always want to be with the better galleries. You know, they're never like, oh, no, I just want to go and self-represent. They're always like, no, I, I you know I'm holding out for that next big solo show because I want it to be in a really good gallery. Um, mm. So I think. I don't know. I think there's, yeah, like you said, we're trying to figure it out, but I think the gallerist is really important still. I think that professional advisor, that person that's watching the market or that understands how artists do grow properly and that are managed properly. um, I think it's still very valuable. And I don't think you're ever going to get that on Instagram. You know, you're never going to get that. So it's a, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how it all develops. But I, I think uh, it's interesting times for sure. (laughs) (laughs) On on that note, have have has like collectors' demographics have they changed as well? I think there's a lot more people that realize that they can be a collector, like you said. Even Mm -hmm. that you were identifying with, you know, with people coming in and being like, "Oh, wow, it's five hundred dollars, or it's I can get a print for two hundred dollars, or I can." I really love that piece. I might just buy it for $3,000. Like mm-hmm. I think there's so many more people now that realize that they can just buy art <laughs> and it's not, it's not just for a super elite class. Like everyone can buy art really, you know, and you don't have to go to Ikea to do it. You can buy great art from so many. Yeah, better not. Yeah. God. <laughs> I don't even know how they still have an art section, honestly. Um, but, I don't know. I've been to an IKEA in a long time, so I don't even know. <laughs> Good, um, but yeah, no. I just think it's a lot more people are realizing that they can they can buy and appreciate art regardless mm-hmm. of budget, which is so so great, so amazing. You know, to know that. Hmm. Yeah, I'm. I'm trying to tell. I mean, there's. I don't know. I'm, I, a lot of people don't see, you know, so like the, the term collector is also something that, you know, has, has, has changed or the meaning has changed or what's behind it has changed a lot. And, uh, I heard a nice explanation, uh, only recently in a podcast, another podcast actually that, um, Jeff Soto, uh, was, was, was talking about this, that the collectors that he basically grew up with, um, they, they they have all been shook up. Most of them have been shook up during the during the two thousand eight two thousand nine financial crisis, and and you know sort of they made money with the, with the internet, you know, and uh, and now the the money was you know so like a, well you know money was burned, and uh, and uh, then you start having a family and have to take care of different things. So buying art goes a little bit into the background, and then the interesting bit is when people start to buy art again. These people are not necessarily part of that anymore, but these people bought from artists over years, and they bought not just one work, but they bought like into the body of work and um, and more pieces over time and from every show. And now there's a different kind of collectors 
um, who don't necessarily see themselves as collectors. They support a new generation, th th their own generation of artists, you know, that have come up and they probably just buy one piece from everyone um, and uh, and are totally different spread out. And that was just a theory, uh, which I think uh, makes sense. And that, you know, that's what I was asking because I think you as a as, a, as somebody who runs a, a fair um, and sees and has contact with all these collectors, I was just curious to see if there's if there's a lot of younger collectors, if there's collectors who don't even buy into, I mean, of course, everybody who has, a has money and has a chance to buy a course or Shepard Ferry these days, you know, so probably does that, but basically buy into their own peer group. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think, you know, we, I think for the fair, you'll have people coming in because it is such an, a festival vibe experience. You'll have people just coming in off the street and going, falling in love with something and just buying it. And I don't think you would go, Oh, are you a collector? What do you have in your collection? I don't think they would really have an answer for that. They would be like, mm -hmm. uh, well, I have a few prints that I bought or I have, you know, so I think there's a lot more people that are just having that confidence just to buy a piece of art. And it's not all this seriousness behind it because there was still quite elitism to a collector, how you described with like Jeff Soto and that kind of time, like there, that was still like quite elitist because to be able yeah. to follow an artist's career and, you know, allocate a couple thousand pounds or whatever it was every month or every other month for art, like that's not the majority of the public, you know? So it's yeah. just, Now you can literally go to an art festival, an art fair, a gallery, or you, a print website, and you can buy art for anywhere from 50 pounds, you know, 20 pounds to thousands and thousands and thousands. It's completely shifted. And people are buying art because they like it and they want to hang it on their wall. I mean, this is the more, I find this as more the mass, the masses have shifted. Yeah. Of course, there's still those hard, you know, those loyal collectors, those followers of the artists and The ones that, I mean, myself included, I, I haven't, I don't necessarily collect just one artist. I collect the movement. And I know a lot, of, a lot of other collectors that are very similar to me. They have a whole collection of urban contemporary art. Mm -hmm. um, and that's what I collect. I collect a lot of art that I obviously have at my fair. But I just, I've, I identify as a collector, but I don't identify as a collector that's just been, you know, the one fundamentally pushing one career of one artist. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. It's, it's a lifestyle, you know, it's really become a lifestyle about being around current culture, contemporary culture. It, it, my, my love for art is intertwined with my love for music, my love for fashion. Like it's just this whole, um, you know, what we surround ourselves with. And I think that's becoming more important to people to have this, this lifestyle around them that they feel associated with and they want to support. So I think the whole idea of collecting or is, has, has changed a lot. Yeah, that was when, when he was saying um, saying that. I was thinking that maybe it's um, part of 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 taking this this business uh, to to uh, to a new level where it makes sense is maybe losing a little bit the focus on on the collecting. Uh, more than we're doing it now because i mean if you look at you know sort of collecting in internet days these these days there just look at your followers uh, in a way in a sense you know what do you follow personally i mean i'm not talking about you but when you look into that there's people who follow their their interests 
So you may follow 500 fashion blogs when you're into or fashion people when you're in, into fashion and only, I don't know, uh, three artists um, or you follow artists. Then, of course, if you have like this overwhelming amount of, of people that you follow, like, I don't know, say 1,000, 5,000, 2,500, then, then it gets very, very desirable to collect as many of the artists that you really like. So if you can, I have a couple of people that buy one piece of me. Now I have more, I have more people now that buy a smaller artwork of, uh, of me than, than I, I, uh, I had before, before I had very, I mean, I still have a few of those, thank God, <laughs> <laughs> but there were a lot of, you know, sort of, uh, people would, the, the decision to collect my work, for example, was, do I buy into this artist and do I stick with him? And now the decision is, I really love the stuff you're doing and I'm super happy that there's a, a new print out or that there's a, that there's a, a drawing that I can buy. Um, so, and maybe collecting how we see it from an, from a gallery or from a, from a, from a, from a market perspective, uh, is something that, you know, we should probably also find a new term for that. I agree. You know? Yeah. So completely. That's yeah. That's, I mean, it's this whole lifestyle. And I think, yeah. I think lifestyle is good. Yeah, I mean, I think Moniker has always tried to to work with that. You know, it's just the whole mm -hmm. lifestyle that we we present. Um, and I think that's something I, I really want to move more into that, like actually removing the art fair from our name and working more as a festival kind of experience. And I think that you have so much more opportunity to engage with so many more people that love the artists, the lifestyle, the music, the, the culture, the contemporary culture, you know, the way there's so many, the people are, you know, people are so switched on now. Um, mm -hmm. And they're, they have such incredible access to information and, and so much more access than any collector had 10 years ago. So it's just before you would, you would read an article about an artist and, you know, you would follow that artist's career and you, because you didn't have thousands of artists to choose from. You <laughs> were, yeah. you know, you had your, you had a, you know, you had your kind of a vision of what you were looking for and you stuck to that taste. And if somebody introduced you a new artist, you were like, Oh wow, that's amazing. I mean, when I first started curating, I've been, I think I did my first show when I was 13. Um, so that's 20 years ago now. And you know, I, all the artists I worked with then, I was, I was people I knew or friends okay. introduced me to them. And I, you know, and I got to go to their little studios or I got to look through their black book. And that was my introduction to art. It wasn't through now what I do every morning when I wake up, I scroll Instagram and I discover new artists every morning. So it's just, mm -hmm. it's that whole thing has shifted. Our access to art has shifted so much. Of course, we need to challenge the way that people feel they can collect it, engage with it, take it home, live with it. Um, yeah. yeah, I think that's just going to continuously happen now. So just figuring it out, how do we manage it? <laughs> All this choice. Uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's probably the big challenge of, of these days. And um, yeah, so you started with 13, you started to curate exhibitions, um, and you worked for you also worked for a gallery. I've worked in for London, right? yeah a few galleries actually. I okay. started I did shows in Barcelona as well. Uh, okay, many years ago when I lived there, and uh, I worked for a few galleries in London. Didn't have very good experiences with galleries, to be honest. So I've always yeah. just kind of I can understand <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I just kind of um, 
Yeah, I mean, I my my motivations and objectives for doing what I do every day have never changed. You know, I knew mm-hmm. really early on that I wanted to champion. I mean, I primarily started with hardcore graffiti artists, but back then I really knew that I wanted to give a platform for for this art and show, you know, change people's perspectives of it, that it wasn't just vandalism back then. But now, obviously, we're talking about something completely different. Um, but it's just mm-hmm. my motivations haven't changed. And sometimes I have found that the art world and me butt heads a lot because a lot of the art world is out just for commercial or financial gain. And it's unfortunate sometimes because it can get really ugly. And I'm sure anybody listening or any artist or has had similar experiences. Um, but it's just really, I think it's really important to, to stay true to what you want to do <laughs> as much as yeah. you can, you know? So, yeah, it's hard. I mean, it's probably, it's probably harder for some as well. I think the, 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 what you just said, I mean, I think there are, there are great galleries and there are, uh, terrible galleries there are great artists and there are terrible artists and um and curators and there are fairs that just want to take your money and there are fairs where you actually feel the interest of the people who do that to do something special i think the the the, the issue is when you enter into this kind of business you know, so you have to have to find a way that you are most happy with and that you can actually work with because it's you know at the bottom line it's a business like like every other business, but the especially when when the the, the art the, the 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 product, which I don't want to call it product, I'm just calling it product now for you know so that I can can finish the sentence. Um, <laughs> uh, the product is completely uh, uh, not planable and foreseeable. And even though there are some artists, young artists maybe out there or have been artists out there, say, okay, this is kind of what works. I want to get into this. I want to be on that festival. I'm going to do now. I don't know. I'm going to, I'm going to hone my skills as a, as a, as a, as a photorealistic spray can painter. And then you find yourself amongst, I don't know, 20 really great ones. And you want to be one of these 20 really great ones. You can become the best one of them technically, but you will never be able to plan that this becomes a business because still nobody might want to buy your work or might like what you're doing or you lack the ideas or you lack the spirit. Um, so I think if you're entering this business from whatever perspective, be it a gallery or an artist, you, you can't put the financial gain in the foreground. You have to keep it in mind. I think that's important. But but I think, you know, so the more public this gets, the more information people get, I think you, they still see the successful artists because we're not, we have this conversation all the time. We're not sharing sort of the bad days that we have mm. uh, on, on Instagram. We're just sharing the 25 meter high mural that we've just created and that gets 50,000 likes. Uh, we don't share the hardship that led to that or or the terrible disappointment or the depression in the hotel room yeah. uh, somewhere really far away from home when you don't really want to be away from home, you know? So like, it's not a life for everyone. No, God, it's really hard. I mean, yeah, yeah I've, I, it's, but, I ask myself a lot, like, why the hell would I put myself through this? You know, because it's so hard. <laughs> but it's just, I think, like, it, I think just like the artist, I think I'm very similar to the artist. I think if a gallerist is a, as addicted and obsessed with, with doing what they do every day, you're very similar to the artist. Like, there is really no um, choice to it. You feel like you're obligated to do it. And it's like a 
it's our almost your life purpose to do this. And it's just like the artists, they can't just say, oh, I'm not going to paint anymore because it doesn't work financially. I mean, a lot of artists have done that, but most artists will still keep a sketchbook because it's just a part of who they are. Um, Obviously, we need to eat and pay our rent and we need to think about how we create sustainable growth. Um, But the thing about the art world is that there should always be that that absolute passion um, and love and respect for the craft and the creatives and that unique mind to do what we do Um, because we are not in the financial sector. And I think sometimes people confuse that by obsessing so much over auction results or the amount of money and popularity that is, like you said, your good days on Instagram or your, the good press. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's not always like that, but I think that we need to keep the financial there, obviously for survival of, of anything, but the art world specifically shouldn't have been driven so much by it. I think the artist and the creative and the passion is definitely the thing that keeps it going. It's not the money. So. Beautifully said. <laughs> <laughs> hey, yeah, um, yeah. Maybe we should we should we should uh, uh, fade out with this because it's like a really nice, uh, nice conclusion to what we've been talking about. Um, unless, of course, you have anything you you, you want to want to say. No, no. I think it was, it's it's been great with. to speak to you. Really, it's been really nice. Yeah, same here. You know, I'm I'm happy we could make this happen. I'm really happy that um, that you found the time. So. Yeah, no, I appreciate the the invitation. I love doing things like this. I think it's so yeah. important for us to continue the discussion. Yeah, and and let's continue this discussion. We can you probably can touch back uh, touch base again at some point um, when you've probably had your second fair in New York. <laughs> uh, see how that goes. Um, and I'm and I'm and I'm and I'm curious to see how how all this develops uh, because you know I'm I've I've seen Monica uh, ten years ago, um, and uh, that it's a long time. But it's a lot of things that have happened. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well. I'm just as interested as you are to see how it develops. <laughs> yeah, of course. All right. Well, thank you so much. Tina, thank, thank you. you. Yeah, thank you. Have a good day. Bye. Helium Talk.